Hey everybody, Jason V here. If you follow the podcast on Instagram, you'll know I got food poisoning after returning from my honeymoon. Ironic, right? While I regain my strength and put the finishing touches on the next all-new episode, I'm rebroadcasting my episode with pastry chef and entrepreneur Amanda Mack. Enjoy! Oh no, it's okay. It's okay. I'm uh, all here. Are you all ready to go? Yes, I am. Awesome. Uh, so we spoke on, uh, I think it was Monday. Yeah, yesterday's Monday. They're all starting to blend together now. How's everything going with the roof? It is so much better. Somebody came out, um, patched it up. They just got to come in and paint over it and stuff like that. It was so crazy. I turned around. I heard something like trickling. It sounded like it was in the wall, like someone was running water. And then all of a sudden, it just like collapsed. I don't oh. know what happened. They said it was something from upstairs. I think it was like the people's washing machine. It was crazy. Oh, gotcha. Well, I'm glad everything is uh, on, on the mend now. That's good. Thank That's good to hear. you. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want to get started here. Um I like to always ask my guests the same few questions starting out. So uh, to begin, can you tell me your name and what you do? Absolutely. My name is Amanda Mack. I am the owner and operator of a small batch bakery here in Baltimore called Crust by Mac. And are you from Baltimore? I am from Baltimore, born and raised. Awesome. Uh, and what part of Baltimore are you from? What was growing up there like? Uh, so I'm from West Baltimore. Uh, I grew up, I think you would call it McCullough Homes. It's like a little small area, like off of Drew Hill on McCullough Street. Well, I guess it's it's called the Projects. <laughs> um, I grew up there. It was pretty amazing. I mean, outside of what everybody sees, like on the wire and just like, you know, on the news, um, it was a pretty close-knit community. Uh, all of us came together. All of us were like friends. The uh, adults in the neighborhood looked after the children in the neighborhood. So it was a really, outside of what you see on TV, it was a really um, safe place for me and my family. Uh, I have a lot of relationships that I still hold near and dear to me. People who I grew up with are still my friends to this day. And actually, my grandmother still lives uh, in the same house that we grew up in. So, wow. uh, which is, yeah, right in McCullough Homes. It's my home, you know. It's something that is very near and dear to me, and it's part of my story. Yeah. You mentioned her uh, in, in your reply, growing up in West Baltimore and McCullough Homes. Can you talk to me about the impact your grandmother's had on your life inside and outside of the kitchen? Oh, my goodness. My grandmother is... I would say, like, my best friend, <laughs> if I could have a 70-year-old best friend, it would pretty much be her. Um, both of, I'm really close with both of my grandmothers. They both have had 
a very influential part of my life. Uh, one of my grandmothers, the one who lives in McCullough Homes, you know, she taught me all about what family is all about, how food brings us together. And then my other grandmother taught me about like entertaining and my heritage and my culture. So I actually have the best of both worlds. I talk a lot more about my grandmother who lives in McCullough Homes because she has influenced me heavily when it comes to um, being a service like with food and food access and things like that because we didn't really have a lot, didn't really have a whole bunch of money and access to a lot of things, but we always felt rich on the inside because we had everything that we needed. And she was always cooking lots and lots of food. We have a pretty big family, actually, and we're really close in age. So most of my cousins who I grew up with are either like three months older than me, three months younger than me, um, and things like that. So we were really close. There was always lots of people in the house. And it was just always like communion. We always had a great time over food. Um, and that's what my grandmother did for me. And because she she was uh, adopted, so food was really important to her, like gathering and coming together. So we never wasted food. She was really big on making sure that there was enough to go around. I think that's how she was so resourceful because... Like I said, we really didn't have a lot, but she was feeding nine grandchildren at a time, um, and we were never hungry. Kudos to her. I don't know how she does it, because I have three kids, and it's an everyday struggle. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that you had a big family. Do you have um, have brothers and sisters? Absolutely, yes. Um, I have... Three brothers. I have one, two, I have to count. Three brothers, three sisters, and then I have a cousin who's like my sister too. So, um, and we're all really close, really close. And that's just how it is in general with my family. Um, We all grew up in the same house. Um, We all grew up in the same house at McCullough Homes. And then from there, um, our parents got houses that were pretty relatively close to each other. So we've always been like either walking distance or like a short drive away from each other. Family is very important to me. They show up and they show out for me all the time. (laughs) If I'm having an event, they are either there or telling someone about it. Um, And I just couldn't even imagine where I would be without their support. Uh, I had my son, you know, when I was 19 um, and they were like, Anything that I was doing, they were like, what do you need me to do? They were babysitting. They were supporting me every step of the way. So I'm just really grateful that I come from people who understand the importance of sticking together and building something so that and investing in that person who has that idea or has a creative drive because, you know, that's how you start legacies and start generational wealth, um, which is very important to me. So I'm just glad that I have their support always. That's fantastic. And it sounds like, as you said, family and togetherness is very important to you. If you look back through the generations, um, mm-hmm. where where's your family from? Are they from this area? Yeah. So most of my family is actually from Baltimore. I mean, when you get out to like the greats and things like that, I have um, some family who originated from the Carolinas and from Virginia uh, and things like that. But most of my family, we are born and raised here in Baltimore. When you were talking about the impact your grandmother had on your life, you mentioned how she would tell you how food brings everybody together and the importance of food and culture and heritage. 
is she the one who taught you how to cook? Are you a self-taught chef or were you like professionally trained? Yes. Yeah, so my grandmother, she was a professional chef. She was a professional chef and baker. Um, so most of the things that I've learned, I've even learned on my own or from her. She actually used to, when I had my son, she used to teach me how to cook over the phone. <laughs> my husband <laughs> bought us a, an apartment. And it was so crazy. I always talk about how close we were and we are. Like, we live, like, five minutes away from each other. Um, my husband got us an apartment pretty much, like, out White Marsh. And to me, I was, like, in another state. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I felt so far away, so estranged from everybody. And I would literally talk to my grandmother every day. And she would teach me how to make certain things over the phone. Like, I mean, and she would like tell me to put it on speaker. She would be listening. And now that I'm a chef and I, and I have experienced cooking, it is just so funny to see the things that she actually looked for and listened to when I was cooking. Like she would listen for the sound. She would ask me what the color was, how did it smell, things like that. I mean, even like walking me through a mother sauce over the phone and helping me make gravy and all kinds of things. Um, she definitely taught me pretty much everything I know. And most of my bacon recipes either come from something that she made or we had when I was little or things that are just inspired by like family gatherings that we've had and, you know, game nights and stuff like that. Just everything I do, I try to make sure I'm tying it in to like my family or just community or, or entertaining. Like I love to be around um, you know, groups of people. I'm very social. I'm very like, hey, let's go get coffee. <laughs> so, and I get that from both of my grandparents. It's just, we're just very like out there and just love to be around others and just hearing those stories. That's one of the things that I love about um, both of my grandparents being alive is just that those stories that you get to like relive and you're hearing about their childhood and things like that. So, Passing those stories on is very important to me, and that's why I try to make sure I honor them and, and, the, and their heritage and the recipes that I create. Most people know you for your delicious hand pies. And by the way, when did you start making those hand pies? Was it something oh. your grandma taught you, or was it something you taught yourself? So it was something I taught myself. My, um, my grandmother actually, so we had this tradition on Thanksgiving where she would make a pie for every family. So like I said, it was so many of us. We would have, she would have almost three tables full of <laughs> sweet potato pie, right? Ooh. Like that was, oh my God, sweet potato pie, full of sweet potato pies. Um, and when I, it's so funny, when I started Crust, well, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I started off like in food justice. Um, I did a lot for the community. I worked for like a local community garden, CSAs. I did some um, work for John Hopkins School of Public Health. Um, really, really like diving into like food access because clearly growing up in the projects, you don't really have access to lots of things. All of our fruits and vegetables were like in a can and things like that, which also drove me to write in my children's book called Greens Don't Grow in Cans. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really how a lot of the advocacy and um, food justice work started uh, through that children's book that I wrote, um, I started doing a lot of like cooking classes. I work with organizations, um, teaching recipes that were healthy and affordable. I did market tours. Um, so I kind of was like, I was in school, but not necessarily as like a, a like diehard chef. 
Um, so when I realized that I wanted to kind of start doing more with my hands and being creative, I um, got the position at Dove Coat Cafe, and that was so much fun. Uh, you know, just working there with other women, and it was kind of like resemble, um, it resembled, you know, my life at home, being in a kitchen full of women, like my mom, my grandmother, my aunt, my sisters, my cousins, like, it was pretty close to where I started. So that was a perfect starting point for me. Um, and then when I realized I wanted to kind of venture off and do my own thing, I thought about very hard about like, what made me the most happy, right? Like, and of course it was food. And I love crust. Crust is something that pie crust, pizza crust, <laughs> it's my favorite thing. It's my favorite thing. So I, I was working on this recipe for this pie crust. And my grandmother tried it, and she told me, and she's not really, she's very hard on you, right? She's like, if it's not good, she's going to tell you. She's going to tell you what you need to do better. Um, but this pie crust was probably the first thing that she really, like, gave me the green light on. You know how you bite something, you close your eyes, and you're like, mm, mm, Oh, yes. This is it. <laughs> <laughs> so when she did that, I knew, like, I knew I had something good, right? And um, I just kind of went off of that. I started with the pies, um, and then I, I just expanded into, you know, other pastries and cakes and desserts and things like that. But the pies, they're my baby. Oh, Okay. Hey, you mentioned working in marketing and food justice. You talked about that experience. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about your children's book? You mentioned how you came up with the idea, but what was the publishing process like? Okay, so when I was like, oh, I want to write this, I'm a very creative person. I actually got my degree in art production and management. So to me, I'm always like... Leave? Oh, sorry, uh, Ijama. I'm sorry, I'm recording at home and Ijama is about to leave... She says, Amanda says, hello. Do you want to talk to Amanda really quick? Hi. Here, hold on for a second. Hey, Amanda. okay. Just put the headphones on and then talk right, talk right in there. How are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good. How are you doing in this quarantine times? You know, I am taking it one day at a time. At first, I was completely, like, overwhelmed. You know, the bakery was set to open uh, the beginning of April, so I went from thinking I'm about to open up, you know, the actual storefront location to not even knowing when outside is going to open back up. I know. <laughs> it's so intense. It's so... <sighs> I know. It's been crazy. Oh, my goodness. What about the wedding plans? Are you? Did you guys have a date already? Yeah, we had one set for December, which is probably going to be canceled. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. Yeah, but... You know, yeah. it's just important that everyone, you know, stays in the house and, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Just trying to do our part to make sure we can get through this and get back to the new normal that the we'll all have normal. to adjust to. Yeah. Because it's definitely going to be different. It's definitely going to be different. You know. But this process, it's taught me a lot. That's for sure. It showed me how underprepared I was in some things because that's something that I had to come to terms with, especially like with all these grants and stuff. Like I didn't really think about my business in certain aspects. So I learned a very valuable lesson and I'm happy that I actually have the time to get myself together. You know, and, um, and that's always a positive. And then honestly, absolutely. there's going to be so many things for amazing small business owners like yourself. So, yeah, you know, I just think it's going to take time, maybe, maybe a month or two, you know, the government 
it's a little absolutely a little slower with doing things but i wouldn't be too worried you know as long as Mm -mm. everyone stays healthy absolutely you know take care of the little ones and all that oh it was good it was good hearing your voice it seems like it's been forever i know (laughs) and i have to roll on to the hospital and go to work I appreciate you, okay? Oh, no. I appreciate you. Yeah, I got to send you something. Listen, I, I literally said, like, if you're delivering or you have, a, like, a delivery, please let me know. I want to buy. Oh, my goodness. I'm just, I'm actually about to whip up something for uh, the doctors over at Union Memorial Hospital. So I will make a little extra for you. Ooh, and... let me know. Yeah, I will do safe delivery. Extra. You're going to throw it on the curb. Gonna... I'll get it. <laughs> Well, I'll, um, I'll check with Jason after, and I'll get the details. So I'll let you know. I'm doing a delivery tomorrow morning. So Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, let us know. No problem. I'll okay. let you guys All get right, back well, to it. Talk Bye. soon. <laughs> Bye. All right, sorry. Well, I guess not sorry about that because no, you, you enjoy talking to Ijama. She's uh, yes. heading out to the hospital. Um, So before she came in, you are talking about publishing, uh, publishing yes, your book. True. Talk to me about that. Okay, so publishing a book, I was like, I'm going to do this children's book. And I was thinking, like, you know, oh, I'm going to do this draft. I'm going to pitch it to some publishers. And then I realized, like, um, that's kind of a lot. You're not even in that place. To get picked up by a publishing house, you kind of need to be out there, right? You need to be out there. You need to have, like, this mass following. Or you need to have various works that solidify why we should pick you up. And I did not have those things. Then I learned about self-publishing, and I just got so excited because I'm like, oh, I can do this. Like, it was a lot of work, but I was able to do it myself. It was a company called Create Space, which is now owned by Amazon and Kindle. Mm. So it's like Kindle Publishing now. So I think it's called Kindle Publishing. Um, but it was a pretty smooth process. They had amazing customer service that you can actually call and talk to somebody. So when it came to designing the book, so... I had to write the book. I had to illustrate the book, which I um, I illustrated the book, and my son actually helped me with that. At the time, he probably was five, I think. He's 13 now, or maybe he was six, but he was pretty young. Um, and he helped me illustrate the book, which was a lot of fun. And he was actually at the farms with me, too, um, when I was doing my gardening. I was very actively gardening at this point when I wrote the book. Um so, yeah, I kind of did the illustrations. I wrote the book. I got the design, drafted up, and just clicked the button. And in a few minutes, it was published. I mean, the whole process took me months, of course. But the self-publishing was pretty easy to navigate. And I love the fact that you could do a hard copy book. You can do a soft copy. You can do an e-book. Um, you can do directly from Kindle. Um, so it was nice, and I was actually able to get a lot of sponsors in the beginning so that the books could actually be free to um, people in my community and just organizations that I work with, especially when I was doing recipe developing and cooking classes and things like that. So that was nice that I was able to offer that as a gift um, to families, and I did a lot of work with low-income families. So that was a nice resource to give to them. Um, but the process, it was pretty smooth. I did the self-publishing route, um, and I actually would do it again. I mean, I would definitely self-publish again because you have a little bit more control um, and you get kind of like a larger return 
on your your commissions, which was nice. Clearly, if I got picked up by a publisher house, you kind of get like that advanced check and things like that, and then you get a book tour. But I was able to do things like that myself, especially since I was kind of starting out and I was figuring out as I went along. It was a great experience. I definitely would recommend, especially for somebody who's kind of like wanted to get their feet wet and see if writing and publishing is for them. I think that's a great place to start, especially when you're pitching to publishing houses now who want to see that you have an audience behind you. I think that's a a great way to go. It also sounds like the self-publishing process is empowering because it allows you to do that entire process yourself. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. if I can do this, I can do anything. Absolutely. If I can do this, I can do anything. And to my credit, too, I actually, um, I was in publishing, too. When I was in college, I started this nonprofit magazine (laughs) that highlighted um, uh, fashion, arts, and entertainment in Baltimore. So... I was kind of like on a on a little run there. Um, I highlighted it. It, it. We had four issues that actually came out hard copy, and then we went to digital, and then we released three issues digitally. So that was a lot of fun. I'm kind of, you know, jack of all trades, Jill of all trades. That's what you got. <laughs> but I'm actually mastering the pastry world. So I've settled in a place that I'm actually very comfortable with, and I love it. Like, I honestly can't see me doing anything else. Mm. Definitely want to do more things, but more things in food. And I'm I'm pretty set on that. Oh, okay. Before we jump into uh, talking about Crust by Mac and a few other things, can you talk about your college uh, experience for a little bit? Where'd you go? So I went to Frostburg State University. Mm-hmm. Went to Frostburg straight out of high school ended up getting pregnant at Frostburg, came back home, and went to Coppin State University, which was so much fun. Um, I love Frostburg, but I'm actually grateful for Coppin because, man, I don't don't even know where I began. Uh, The administrators, my teachers, everyone there was just really invested in my success. And I felt like it was like this for every student. Like, Going to this HBCU, I felt like, you know, they wanted you to see, like, the value of your education, how you can make your education work for you before you're even out of college, you know, like, just letting you know about these programs. And that's how I was able to, um, that's how I was kind of able to branch off and do these different things because I was pretty active in activating my talents while I was in school because I had, um, because I had my son, I wasn't really able to do a lot of, like, on-campus things. So that's the one thing I did realize I missed when I left Frostburg and came to Coppin. You know, just living on campus, getting to know people, living in the dorms, and, you know, just kind of being immersed in that college life all the time. That was something that I missed when I had my son because I was going to school, I was working, you know, then I had to come home and things like that. So I kind of didn't really have the... 24-7 college experience, but I definitely made the most of my time while I was at school, and I'm grateful that I had um, administrators and teachers who were invest as invested in me as I was in myself, and sometimes even more, because it was hard, like, having a baby and getting a degree, I was like, you know, felt like I was behind the ball, all my friends had already got, you know, their degrees and graduated, and here I was, you know, still in my third year, but then I realized it wasn't a race. Like, 
this is life. This is where I am. And it's not a bad thing. You know, it's just one of those things that you have to pivot. Like you have to figure out where you are now and the way forward. And like I said, I was able to do that, especially with the help of my family and, you know, people at Coppin who believed in me and what I was trying to do. I'm just grateful. I love my college experience. I always wanted to go back, but honestly, Sally Mae, I'm just, whew. <laughs> not with I'm it, not still with paying. it. I, I, listen, I'm still paying back that money. <laughs> so let's uh, let's fast forward back to uh, the not-so-distant past and talk about your brand, Crust by Mac. You mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit about the brick-and-mortar bakery. Uh, what is yep. the status of that right now? So we were actually about to have our grand opening ceremony. This is so crazy. As soon as this actually hit the States and, like, was in Maryland. Um, we were originally set to open, have our grand opening on April 4th. Um, and, I mean, the mill's there. I mean, you can ride past it. I literally was there today. From time to time, I'll just go and just look at the bakery <laughs> <laughs> because I can't actually, you know, open up yet. Um, but I'm actually really glad that we weren't open and then had to close. Um, because that would have just been a complete whirlwind. We were supposed to open. I definitely had staff already, and I've, I've lost some of those staff because they've had to take other positions at, like, markets and stuff like that. They have to do what they have to do, and I, I completely understand that. We're in a crazy time, and I'm not really sure when we go out of this. We're just kind of waiting for things to clear. You know, we'll be ready when the world is ready for us. That's just where we are right now. But everything is set to go. You know, the space is there. We have all of our equipment. You know, we have product. And I have been pretty much closed for business because it's been hard navigating through um, all of the procedures to make sure, like, one, we're staying safe and sterile for people. Like, I don't want to do anything or be practice any unsafe measures in order to still serve people. I just kind of took a step back from that, especially because I have three small children at home. I just have to be smart about the ways that I'm showing up. And right now um, I am partnering with other organizations to offer some services to our healthcare professionals um, and things of that magnitude because they're out there on those front lines, you know, making sure we can, You'll be out here and still be safe. So for me, that's something that I'm, I'm most focused on right now. When this all first started, I was able to do a little mini fundraiser um, that I did for Crust by Mac, but more importantly for the Maryland Food Bank. So Crust was able to raise over $300. We did like a little small e-cookbook that featured some recipes, some of my favorite recipes um, that I made throughout uh, my baking career. And... You know, it was $10, half of it went to the Maryland Food Bank, and we got so many donations pouring in, and I was so grateful because um, the Maryland Food Bank does a lot of work, and they are helping food insecure families, especially now that schools are closed, and you have to feed kids breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks. You know, that's a lot. That's a lot on families who just don't have it. So I was happy to be able to be a resource in that way. So, you know, right now we're not we're not trying to figure out how we can make money to still operate during a time that it's important for us to distance ourselves from people so that we can get back out there. We're just trying to show up in some capacity that moves us forward instead of holding us back. So that's where we are right now. 
Before all of this happened with coronavirus, were there any other dark moments or really challenging moments that when you look back today, they helped you stay focused and remind you why you keep on doing what you're doing? Every day. <laughs> Every single day. So funny because I just had a conversation uh, with someone who I met on Instagram. She was just talking about how he looks up to me and I'm just doing so great. And she just wants to be just like me. And I just had to be real with her. Just like I'm real with everybody who says things like this, who are just looking from the outside in. It is very challenging. One, being an entrepreneur is very hard. But creating a business where you're servicing hundreds of people, you're creating everything from scratch. I mean, you're doing recipes. You have to figure out. And especially when it comes to an actual physical space, I mean, the amount of time and money that goes into the business. There were times where I was up for two days. And, and, and so for me, when I started this business, it was like, oh, okay, I have this brand that people love. And that's a great thing, right? It's a great thing. And then you get more business and more business. And I wasn't even at the point where I had a staff. It was just me. It was just me placing all, you know, uh, kicking out all of these orders that we got. And then we had like this big thing these big opportunities come up and, you know, everybody's like, say yes, even if you don't know how to do it. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Definitely say yes and figure it out later because if you're a good entrepreneur, you're going to figure out a way to make it work. Um, and, and that's what I did, but it was hard. I mean, there were times I was up for two days. There were times I'm wearing a bag brace. There were times my feet were swollen because we're I'm in a physically laborious job, even though it's just bacon, like, I'm standing on my feet. I'm moving constantly. I'm have to go to the market or the restaurant store, shop for the ingredients, prep all of my ingredients, make all of my ingredients, transport all these, you know, transport everything. So it's just a lot of work. And I remember when I was like, I wanted to open up the physical storefront location. It was like, I didn't really realize how much money it would take to do that. And that is where... I thought that was the beginning of the dark times, right? It's like, oh my goodness, like this is a lot of money. But then it was like, not only do I not have the money, I don't even have the credit mm. to get loaned the money. And then that was something that was even harder for me to process because to me, it wasn't about not having the money. To me, it was about not having the money because systemically, the money is not afforded to me based on my geographic location, my race, my age, my gender. So it was all of these things that just kind of shine light on, you know, the disadvantages of being a low-income woman of color starting a business. Like, I just don't have things that, you know, other, you know, people may have access to because of those those you know demographic so that was something for me that was something hard for me to process because it's like well if I don't have the money and I'm not in a financial situation to appear to the banks that I'm able to repay back this money because it was like okay I don't have the money but then I can prove that my business is sustainable it's making money it's a success I have all of these things on paper but there's always like well, it's not enough, right? Like, I need to be able to see that you can pay back this money, even though you don't have the data to show that. This is a lot of things that I didn't realize on the back end 
that were a part of the process that I had to overcome, right? I had to, you know, not give up when the banks told me no or not give up if I didn't raise enough money during crowdfunding because I did that. I did crowdfunding. I practically did everything you can think of to try to raise the money. And at the end of the day, I still don't have enough, right? I, I still don't have enough. But it's enough to make it work. That's just something that just replays constantly in my mind because my grandmother didn't have enough. My mother didn't have enough. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can always have more. It's just what you do with what you have and how you show up. And, and, and that's what I'm going off of, right? Like, I might not have the best of this or the best of that, or I might not have every single thing that I want, but I have enough that I need to get the job done. And that's where I'll start. And when I have more, I'll get more and I'll do more. But for right now, that's that's just where I am. And I have to constantly show up for myself in that way. I have to tell myself every day because it's a challenge, right? It's a challenge um, running a business on your own. It's a challenge starting a business. It's a challenge letting go of business. You know what I'm saying? But it's just something that you have to be okay with. You have to physically be okay with it. And if something is not resonating right with you, because there's been times in my business where, especially like doing catering and things like that, um, sometimes things aren't perfect. I remember one time I actually um, lost a contract. When I first started out, like I said, you think it's a, it's a good problem to have so many people like want your stuff. And it was one of those instances where I said yes, even though I didn't know how I was going to do it. I said yes. Um, I was doing okay. Like it was just a, a new client that I had, um, big client, right? Big client. And um, they placed this order and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And part of the order, I did not know because I had, it was, the order was so big. I actually had to staff three people to help me to push the order out. And what I didn't know was, because I didn't have a, a lot of time to kind of go back through and check everything. I did not realize that some of the items were a little burnt and the client was displeased. And for me, I am really big on customer service. This is something that I'm just like, I want you to have a great experience. I want you to have a great product. So immediately I'm trying to think of how can I solve this problem, right? So I offered, um, I refunded the client, not just for part of the order, but for the entire order. Because for me, I'm thinking like, oh my goodness, like I don't want to lose this client. And I end up going above and beyond to make sure that they knew how sorry I was. And, you know, like it was a mistake and all these things. Ended up losing the client anyway. And that was just something that was, oh, my goodness, it was so hard for me. And I was just beating myself up. And I was just like, I never blamed the person that I hired because at the end of the day, things happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, things happen. I just blame myself for not making sure that I had the time to go back through and, and quality control and check and things like that. But it was a learning experience for me. To this day, I still don't have that person as a client. I don't know what they're saying about me or my brand or my reputation. And once you start going down that hole and you're trying to figure out, what are people saying about me? How are they thinking? And like, that's when you just kind of like go into a dark hole. And I was going there until I told myself like, you know what? Like it was a mistake. Mistakes happen. How can I learn from this? How can I do better next time? And now I'm more conscious of projects that I take on. I'm, I'm asking my, myself these questions before I say yes. 
You know what I'm saying? So that I can gauge whether or not it's something that realistically I can do or I can't do. And then I'm also okay with referrals. Like sometimes you can't do everything and that's okay. I'm at a place where it's like, you know what? I can't do this, but I have three other people who I know and I stand behind their product that you can reach out to. And I'll forward those contacts over, especially in a baking community in the culinary community like you have to stick together like you're not going to be able to do everything and you have to be okay with that so getting close with people who can show up for you or sometimes even help you along the way you know that's where i am can you tell me what cherry bomb is oh my goodness cherry bomb is a um magazine there are a few things so cherry bomb is a magazine that highlights women in the food industry they also have a podcast that is called Radio Trey Bomb. And then they also do this big conference that brings hundreds of women um, in the food and beverage industry together every year. And it's called Jubilee. Um, this year, because of the virus, of course, they were um, not able to host it um, physically, but they did a whole like virtual conference that was amazing. It was like over 9,000 people who attended online. Um, and they, and so Cherry Bomb is run by a woman, her name is Carrie Diamond, um, and she is amazing. She pours a lot of resources into women and food, into small business. She's definitely showed up for me in various ways. I was actually a part of the Jubilee this year, and I was actually a part of, they did a cookbook. Um, they did a cookbook that featured 100 women in food, 100 recipes. They did a tour. And I was a part of their Baltimore stop, um, and that was led by Crystal Mac. She kind of, like, curated the whole thing, which was so much fun. It was me and, I believe, six other women in business, uh, and we came up with recipes um, that were, you know, important to us and kind of, like, inspired by the book. So we did that, and, and that was a trove. Um, but, yeah, Cherry Bomb is awesome. They're amazing. I'm so grateful for Carrie and the work that they are doing um, for women in food. And especially, like, they um, just bought on, um, they just bought on, like, they're expanding, they're expanding the roles of the magazine um, constantly. And that's something I love, too, because, you know, you're figuring out more and more ways how to support people as the times change. Um, it's pretty awesome. Cherry Bomb uh, is the handle on Instagram. We're going to start wrapping up here. I uh, got one question for you. What is the mm -hmm. secret to a good crust? Ooh. So temperature is key, right? When you're making a crust, you want all of your ingredients super cold. I, from every step, I make sure I go back to the refrigerator or the freezer. So when you're mixing up your dough, put it in your bowl, you put your, your dry ingredients in there, um, and you stick that in the refrigerator. What you don't want to happen is if your butter is too warm and your ingredients are too warm, the butter is going to seep out before it is incorporated, and you lose those layers, you lose that flakiness, you lose that tenderness. You want to chill your ingredients. So after you mix it, put it back in the refrigerator, let it chill. <laughs> when you roll your crust out and put everything together, pop it back in the refrigerator and let it chill, and then you bake it. You only bake it when it's cold and firm because that way the gluten has had time to rest, your butter has had time to chill, and when you bake it, oh, and make sure your temperature on the oven is high enough, 
I'm always looking at like either 400, 415, or 425 when I'm doing my pies because it reacts better when the oven is super hot with cold ingredients and it's not seeping out. If your oven is too warm, your butter is seeping out instead of baking through the dough, right? So that you get that rise, you get those layers. So definitely want to chill throughout and make sure your oven is hot enough and make sure you're watching it because you don't want to over, you don't want to over, um, over bake. Chill it. Don't overwork your dough and only put it into the oven when it's nice and firm and cold. Gotcha. I'll keep that in mind. I have zero <laughs> baking experience, but that was a good, good little piece of information right there. Uh, so you actually talked about it a little bit, but I want to see if you have anything else going on. Um, any other future plans aside from just waiting out this uh, this uh, quarantine? I am really big on Earth Day. Um, I've always kind of like had a green thumb since I was a little child. Um, and every year on Earth Day, I do something super special, either by myself or with my kids or with the community. Last year, we um, planted uh, a community garden. Um, I got some, a sponsorship from Home Depot. They donated a bunch of flowers. Um, and the community members got to plant that and make a community garden. And this year, because everything's super crazy i would the original plan because the bakery was going to be open i was going to do a big thing but now i have kind of had to rework those plans and what i actually am planning on doing is i'm going to and this is probably the only time i want to do this this delivery because they're always anytime i'm doing deliveries it's crazy i'm out all day <laughs> about all day i'm making like 50 stops but it's so worth it it's so worth it but i'll be doing a contactless delivery um for earth day we are doing our be more crust hand pies which is it is jumbo love crab dip with jumbo love crab on top and an old bay buttermilk crust we're doing those because it's which just started crab season and i couldn't be more excited but part of the proceeds are going to go to the Baltimore Orchard Project so that they can continue to plant trees um, throughout Maryland. I'm very excited about that. I just uh, solidified that today. So I'm very excited to share that news. Thank you. Thank you. I'm always trying to figure out ways, um, you know, to come full circle. Like, And to me, pouring back into the community, especially where you're from, is very important. And I wanted to do... Um, you know, like these nature-inspired cakes and things like that. But that is something that I really, I don't want to have to deliver that. It's just kind of a lot, especially in the climate that we're in. It would have been beautiful at the bakery, but um, those crab pies, I had to, I was supposed to do a big delivery for those right before we um, got shut down. But um, so that'll that'll be a great thing that I'll be able to offer that back up to <laughs> money so that'll be something i'll be able to offer back up to people who are looking forward to those um and it's crab season so i'm excited where can people go if they want to find out more about amanda mack and crust by mack follow me on instagram at mrs mrs married mack you can follow me also at crust by mack on instagram or go to the website www.crustbymac.com Awesome. Anything else you want to talk about that we haven't already gone over? No, 
this was such a fun conversation. I'm so glad I got to do this with you. Oh, of course. And thank you so much for sitting down with me. Well, Mrs. Married Mac, I will let you continue <laughs> with the, uh, the rest of your day, okay? All right. Have a good one, Jason. Talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.